Welcome to episode 138 of your favorite podcast, the Grand Podcast. I am your host, Justin Haley, alongside my co-host, Brandon Long. Today, we're going to talk about cardio breaks versus diet breaks. I have a little rant at the beginning that, honestly, I really enjoyed getting off of my chest. But there is a lot of information here that I think you guys are going to really enjoy as Always, Gordai Podcast brought to you by Revive Summons, brought to you by Raw Summons. Use code Mahaley at checkout to support the pod. Please scroll down to the bottom of the page. Leave us five-star reviews. I would appreciate it so much. Share us with your friends if you love us. I'll see you inside. All right, you guys, you ask. We delivered. I think we're going we're, we're gonna to give this a go, and I'm going to see how it works with my current workload. Um, I, I want to make sure it's not blown away from clients or um, anything overwhelming. But next week, we're going to drop a podcast today, Monday through Friday. Um, it's something you guys have asked for for a long time. And um, it's something that um, I tried early on in the podcast. Um, but it didn't work out, not because of me. <laughs> LOL. Um, so next week, we're going to drop a podcast today. It's going to be um, really fucking cool. Um, I think... There's so many topics I can hit on. Like today, I don't think today's topic's like a super um, complex topic, or uh, maybe I'm just able to break it down into a more watered down terms for everyone to understand. But I think there's a lot of things that like can be within 20, 30 minutes um, here within the podcast. And so, um, you know, I think we're going to get some quick, hitting, informative ones. Like the last podcast was a lot of fucking fun. Um, you guys are, are, are going to get more of us uh, because that's what you want. Everybody loved that one. Not everybody. Speaking of the last podcast, I have four people. Who hated it? Hated it. Well, the one person, like, listened long enough to, like, you know, get pissy about what the fuck ever. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even about them. Yeah. <laughs> they were just wearing a shoe. They yeah. were trying to put on a shoe that didn't fit. Yeah, yeah, they were. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, stay in your fucking lane. Mm-hmm. It's my podcast. Yeah. If you don't like something that's said on my podcast, don't like listen. I said on Instagram, my my, this is my podcast. I own this podcast. Don't listen. Simple. Go on your way. We have plenty of other listeners. Mm-hmm. I mean, this thing's blowing the fuck up. Like, we're getting close to 100K a, a month. And mm-hmm. I think when we go to every, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm pretty sure we're going to get 100K. Yeah. Um, and again, like, that's just a start. Like, remember, this thing launched March of last year. The fastest ever fitness podcast, 600 reviews because of you guys. I appreciate you guys. I think that's fucking awesome. But... If you think that I give a fuck about your opinion of my podcast, I don't. Being a hundred. Right. Like, the loyal listeners here, the people who tune in for the right reasons, like, they know that. Yep. So, three other people messaged me on Instagram. God, I wish I could pull up these messages. I just fucking delete them. Because they're idiots. Talking about uh, how my views of religion are completely wrong. Uh, base. Okay. And I, it's funny because we were talking about and the podcast, what grinds our gears? Mm-hmm. We were literally talking about you pushing, push, <laughs> pushing your, yeah. your views upon us. Yeah. Well, what's funny is two of the four people who reached out told me I need to be humble. I want to tell you guys about why I'm not going to be, nor will I ever try to be humble. A little lesson of Justin Mahaley here. Before Justin Mahaley was Justin Mahaley. Why won't I be humble? Well, a couple items of more you know, superficial items. I was the first person to actually build a seven-figure bodybuilding coaching company. Now it's multiple seven figures. I'm the only person that has that. I built another seven-figure company from the ground up from absolutely nothing. And when did we start that? Um, six fucking months. We have two other companies that pull six figures built from the ground up. We just bought two other companies that do over six figures. Why do these things matter? You know, with all that success, all that everything, I get paid the exact fucking same. Where do you guys think that money goes? Back into those businesses. Goes back into the businesses, all of which are impact-focused businesses that reach more people than impact more people. If, if you guys actually understood the depths of what we do with every single company and what every single company is that we own, not to mention there's two companies we're starting right now. There's another two companies that are getting really close to, you know, making something happen. 
And there's one company that, quite frank's failed, but we have a lease on it <laughs> for you know the next two yeah, years. That was, that was a tough one. And yeah, well, that that was like, yo, if we make it, it was like a deal you can't well, pass also up. The timing of that was so the, poor. The timing of it, well, the timing of it was either going to be so poor or so rich. Right. We were either going to get really rich off that, yeah. or just you know lose out on the monthly rent that we pay right now. Um. So. I'm not going to be humble because I take so fucking little compared to what I could because we put it back into impact. We are truly impacting the world. It's bigger than 100,000 monthly listeners to the podcast. It's bigger than 40,000 followers on Instagram. It's bigger than all of those things that you guys don't understand. If I told you the figure of money we donate to nonprofits, to places that truly change the world, you guys would be amazed. It's more than I make monthly. We donate more than I get paid monthly, and they're my fucking companies. I'm not going to be humble because I'm a winner. I win. I've built a bodybuilding business from the ground up. The ground was, I'm just trying to take these shit physiques and turn them into a top five finish. And you guys know how hard that was to do? You guys know how hard it is to build it from the ground? I didn't have mentors in the beginning. I didn't have help in the beginning. I wasn't part of a team in the beginning. It was just me just trying to fucking hustle and make something happen. And now we win. We win at the highest clip imaginable. Myself, I mean, my own personal bodybuilding endeavors. My first show, I was last place. My second show, I was almost last place. My third show, I finally fucking placed. And men's fucking physique. And then you go to an overall bodybuilding champion and, you know, a sport that's very highly competitive in bodybuilding where that state championship means a fucking ton. My journey went from zero and it's built up over how long have I been competing? Six years? No, about, yeah, seven, seven years. Over seven years. I'm not going to be humble because I did that. I'm not going to be humble because where I came from, I shouldn't be here. See, you guys weren't there when my mom told me my parents were getting a divorce. You guys weren't there when they fought every single fucking day. You guys weren't there when my dad beat me and abused me. You guys weren't fucking there when shit was popping off. You guys weren't there when I was bullied growing up. You guys weren't fucking there when I sucked at sports. You guys weren't there when I wasn't popular in school. You guys weren't there when I was going to fucking school bruised up. <laughs> And I got called to the guidance counselors where they called Child Protective Services to fucking interview me about what was going on at home. You guys weren't there when I was trying to act like everything was okay. You guys weren't there when my best friend at the time, Andy Perkins, broke down the fucking door in my closet to stop me from harming myself. You guys weren't there. You guys weren't there when I couldn't pay rent on a $700 a month place. You guys weren't there when my mom had to buy my groceries. You guys weren't there when the struggles were happening. I shouldn't be in this position. You know why I'm not going to be humble? Because I'm fucking proud of shit of what's been built. Find me a winner that's humble. You remember when Cam Newton lost the Super Bowl? Yeah. And everyone was on his fucking dick mm -hmm. about how he handled the loss? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he doesn't know how to lose. He's never been there before. He won the national championship at Auburn, his one year starting. Yep. He's the first overall pick, right? Right. Yeah, he was definitely the first overall pick. He, and he, he went from a Juco. He came, he, well, he got kicked out of Florida, which he, he got kicked out for right yeah, reasons. Right. Went to a Juco and fought the fucking way back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, now, you know, you can look at Cam Newton. He's like, watch, what, what the fuck ever you want to say? He's still in the NFL as starting quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. He's only one. He's only ever one. LeBron James, that guy's not humble, is he? Kobe Bryant wasn't very fucking humble, was he? Mm -hmm. Tom Brady sure as hell isn't very fucking humble, is he? No, the best in the world aren't going to be why because everyone has stories and everyone has a place they came from. If you're entitled enough to listen to my fucking podcast and think that your fucking opinion on anything in my life matters, you really need to take a long gander in the mirror because you have not. You're not... I'm going to be real. You haven't been through what I've been through. I'm going to keep it 100. Before you fucking speak on my life, what's your fucking resume say? It's where you can't even have an opinion on what I'm doing and what I'm bringing to the table and the way I'm impacting the world. 
I find it really interesting that every time there's a hateful comment or a hateful message on Instagram or anything like that, people always talk about be humble. You know who's humble? Losers. The people riding the bench, they're pretty humble. You guys know my favorite quote, and it's hanging up on the wall right there, is a man in the arena. You're the fucking spectator. You ask me to be humble, you're the spectator. The rest of us, the people who listen to the Grow or Die podcast for the right fucking reasons, me and Brandon, really, I mean, me, I, I put myself in this position much more than most other people I know. I'm in the fucking arena. I'm fighting. I grew up in a racist-ass fucking family in one of the most racist towns you can live in, and I do my fucking part week over week, month over month to fight racism. Yeah, it's easy for your whole fucking family to know. <laughs> Good thing I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't really care what they think. I'm the one prepping for big time shows, putting myself in position to lose. I'm the one who's open enough to share my political and religious views on a fucking podcast that over 60,000 people a month on average listen to. You know how fucking hard that is? It's not fucking easy. Especially when... I am someone who's pretty fucking educated on the shit I talk about. And it can make a lot of people not like you, but I'm always going to be vulnerable and 100 with this podcast. So if you think you have the resume to speak a single opinion on my life, whew, man, that resume better be dense. That shit better be good. You better be bringing something to the table. Because I'm looking around, there's about four people I respect their opinions on my life. You're probably not one of them because they're not listening to the podcast right now. They're too busy fucking working, making impact happen. I wasn't planning on going on this fucking rant, but honestly, just pissing me. Tell me to be humble. You guys don't know what I've been through. See, Brandon and I had a conversation the other day out in the kitchen about some shit that's really been fucking with me. There's some things in my past that have, you know, kind of been, for some reason, just resurfaced, whatever, that I've been, I've been struggling mentally with pretty bad. Um... Not like that I'm in a dark place right now. Like, I, I know what a dark place is. And, you know, this isn't that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm just, you know, trying to what, work through them. Work through it, yeah. Some stuff that you buried. That I buried. Younger, and yeah. kind of still bothers you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, it's the subconscious shit that I mm -hmm. talk about. Right. And, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely been fucking with me um, pretty bad. And, like... I think there's a disconnect because people see someone successful and they only see the end result. Mm -hmm. They don't see what happened. Yeah. They don't see the shit that, you know, I How had you to got go there. through. Yeah. yeah. And like, they don't understand the journey because they haven't achieved it themselves. Mm -hmm. Like people probably think that I always grew up a little bit jacked. People probably think that I grew up and, you know, things were okay. I would, I would assume just based off looking at you. Yeah. You played football. And I did. wrestled. Yeah. You're pretty good. Yeah. You're pretty tall. You probably played basketball. Yeah. You're pretty good. Um, you're good looking all through high school. You're popular. <laughs> no, none of those things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I played basketball and I was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> but none of the other things. Right. You know, like everything that happens now, that that's not how life always was. Mm -hmm. Like when me and Brandon make the jokes about, I had no hoes. No, you guys don't understand. Like, mm. I was, I, I like being a hundred. I wasn't a very good looking kid in high school. I've seen the pics. Yeah. Like I wasn't good. Looking, and that's okay. Yeah, right. Like it fucking is what it is. You, you weren't know? ugly. You just no, didn't stand out. No, not at all. I was a average. I was, I was average across the board. Mm -hmm. I was average at everything. Mm -hmm. Grades were average. Looks were average. Social life was below average. And like, but that's what I'm saying. Like people just see the end result and they think that because they listen to a podcast or like double tap your shit on Instagram that like, their views on religion matter that they, what they want you to talk about on the podcast matters. Like this is the best podcast of fitness. You will learn literally more from this than you will learn in school in a four year degree for exercise physiology. Honestly, if you become a doctor of what's that doc, doctor of kinesiology, you won't learn as much as you will on this fucking podcast. I could drop the podcast, which pays me want vulnerability podcast pays me anywhere from six to 10,000 a month. I could drop the podcast. I would have time for probably 50 more athletes to work with. Charge $500 a month. What's 50 times 500? 25,000. All right. So I could very easily do that. 
but I don't because I enjoy this and I enjoy just honestly teaching y'all for free. Mm -hmm. Like talking to you guys for free. You can respect what I'm saying or honestly, you can like get the fuck out and you don't have to agree with the shit I'm saying. Right. You don't have to, but I, I just respect it. I think it's important to, to, to note though, like this isn't just for whoever got upset. Like this helps a ton of people. This helps so they many people. They love this. Like yeah. don't take that away from other people. No, exactly. Yeah. And like, like honestly, like I'm tired of it because like, dude, I mean the amount of supportive messages we get, like Jesus oh, yeah. fucking Christ, I'm sure you started mm -hmm. getting them too. Like it's unreal. I probably get 20, 30 a day and I really do try my best to get back to all of them. I truly am. Like when I say I'm busy, I'm really busy. Like I posted a Q and a last week and I could, I did, literally didn't even have time to get to a single question. Like yeah. I hate doing that shit. Yeah. You were, you I were wanted, upset that you, yeah, that you couldn't, I was, I wanted to do seminars and shit like, um, webinars mm -hmm. where people can come in, you know, they pay to learn from me on certain topics. I have no time. Mm -hmm. Like I have a lot of athletes. We have a lot of companies and like this podcast, this podcast means a lot to me. You know, I know when I start, when Scott and I started this thing, I didn't think it was ever going to pay a buck. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't do that to make any money. Like it, it, it was, it wasn't about any of that. It was just to get that information out there. I just love talking to y'all. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like you guys are like, I honestly feel like you guys are my friends. Mm -hmm. Like the people constantly community. share the podcast. Yeah, there is community here and it's a tribe. And like, I truly believe that like you guys are my friends. Like I believe if I meet you guys in person, you're like, I'm so-and-so and like, the, you know, this podcast, this podcast, we talked about this. Like I'll remember you. Yeah. I 100% will remember you. And like, I can't wait to get back to expos and stuff like that, where we can actually have like grower and I meetups. Um, and you know, obviously team Haley meetups and stuff like that. But like, just because something I say bothers you don't like Brian said, don't take that away from other people because you made it 40 minutes into the podcast. You're obviously enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, then you get bothered. When did I talk about religion? And when did I, well, you know, I mean, more than likely this isn't their first episode. Listen, yeah. anyway. Yeah. And like, like you, you're, you're, you like it. This you, podcast is your second, third, fifth, hundredth episode that you've listened to. Exactly. You know how many people listen to every single one? This is 138. And yeah. they literally have listened to every second of every single one. Yeah. There's a shit ton of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you pulled up that map the other day. There's not a single country in the world that doesn't listen to the podcast. Greenland needs to step it up. We Greenland needs to step Step it up. We've got one listener in Greenland. We got a loyal bucket. <laughs> Whoever's listening to this podcast in Greenland, hit me up on Instagram. I would honestly love to see you no, some yeah, team like Haley merch. <laughs> Every country, there's listeners. Yeah. Like, in, it, you wouldn't believe it. It's global. Mm -hmm. And that means a fucking lot to me. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Sorry about the rant, but I kind of just brought it up, and I just got really fucking pissed. Like, mm -hmm. this thing's cool for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's cool for, you know, all of us. Um, with that being said, I, I want to get off the topic of negativity and let's keep it um, cool stupidity. Just keep it a hundred, mm -hmm. dude. Like just keep it a hundred. Like if you don't like something or if you like truly think there's something to improve, if you think there's something to improve, let me know. Mm -hmm. I tell y'all all the time. You're not going to like everything I say. I mean, I, you know how many messages I got? I was talking about the religion of people who said, I talked about during the election who I was going to vote for of people who said, I'm extremely religious and I'm very liberal. I'm the antithesis of you, and I love you, and I love your content, and I just want you to know. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. See? Like, that's, like those are good people. That's like, a good approach. Yeah. That's we need more should. of that in yeah, America. exactly. We, we truly need more of that because everyone's so fucking divisive, and it's like, dude, I don't everyone's care. Good. I don't care, like, what your religious views are, who you decide to vote for, XYZ. People get so offended and butthurt over that stuff. Dude, you know I'm so vulnerable about it? vulnerable about it because I want to open the conversation. We should be able to have these conversations. There'd be nothing. We should be able to talk about sex and not be and, judged. And, and there's nothing that mm -hmm. happened. Like we should just be able to literally be a hundred and there's no repercussions. I truly believe that. Like, why do you, why do people get angry over shit that they have no control over? They try convincing you of their points. I dude, put your energy into uplifting each other into building each other up. You're not going to agree with everything I say. That is okay. I appreciate you still tuning in and I appreciate you still supporting because I know that you're going to learn something. I mean, today I'm talking about cardio breaks versus diet breaks. Like, do you know what I'm going to say? <laughs> are, are you an athlete that's worked with 5,000 or are you a coach that worked with 5,000 athletes over the last however, however many years? Like you're probably going to learn something today. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what I want this podcast to be about. Just keep it a hundred, keep it positive. I think we do a good job of keeping it positive and let's just try and fucking learn and let's just fucking support each other. Honestly, that's my spiel. 
cardio break versus diet break, dude. So I love this topic. It's, it's an LOL for me because, you know, we, we've talked about Brandon's prep. It was a 12 week prep. Um, so he didn't get either of these because it was just like drive him into the ground and push. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he's like, I'm going to learn a lot today because I never <laughs> had either. Yeah, any of these. Uh, I think it's really funny. Um, so cardio break versus diet break. First, I want to talk about the metabolic adaptation. It's kind of how your thyroid assesses and responds, um, you know, to, to uh, intake and output. So in as layman as possible, um, your thyroid is constantly assessing number one, what you're taking in because it dictates the response to the energy that you take into your body. The thyroid's kind of the master. It's everything responds to the thyroid. It's probably the most important uh, gland in your body. Um, I, I shouldn't say probably it, it is the thyroid um, response, what you intake. And it essentially is a constant math equation of balancing the intake versus its current homeostatic set point versus your output. There's kind of the three things the thyroid constantly assesses all of the time. Your homeostatic environment is manipulated by many factors. Um, uh, PEDs, performance enhancing drugs is a big one. Um, your body fat percentage, your lean body mass, um, your insulin sensitivity, your digestibility of foods, um, your sleep, your stress. Um, that's kind of your, that, that makes up your homeostatic environment, right? So if you're really high stress, if you're under a lot of stress, your body, your thyroid is probably going to respond by trying to just like pull the stress down a little bit. It's probably going to try to minimize output and maximize intake. So it's going to make sure everything you intake gets utilized and it's going to essentially burn the least amounts of energy possible to get through the physical uh, needs you have throughout the day. That's essentially metabolic downregulation. That is the bare essence of metabolic downregulation. You prep, you get lean, less body fat, stress goes up, and that's how the thyroid combats. So you might be doing, say your cardio doesn't change for five weeks. And in that five weeks, it's essentially me right now. <laughs> I'm my own case study. My cardio hasn't changed for five weeks. Um, in that five weeks, I've gone from, t um, fuck, what I start at? 284, 285, somewhere in there. Down to 264 today, so 20 pounds. Um, which, that might sound like a lot to you guys. It's, not, it's, it's honestly... So, a bodybuilder in the off-season is going to be taking, like, holding... 10, 15 pounds of water, like something like that. Most of that's gone, and there's obviously, you know, fat loss occurring as well on top of that. It's a pretty good rate of loss early on. It's kind of what you'd expect. So um, takes all of that, takes those 20 pounds into account, and your thyroid can combat this by, okay, so when I was 282, I was, um, or, or take, eh, take another setback, put it more layman terms. Every cardio session, you're doing uh, four times 25. Every cardio session, you burn 500 calories. Your thyroid is essentially going to respond once you start getting to a point of discomfort, which is in when the homeostasis is changing, when stress is going up, um, like around week four or five, where the you know weight loss has been pretty significant in a short amount of time. It's going to essentially downregulate because movement efficiency, number one, you become efficient at completing cardio. Um, obviously, cardiovascular efficiency duh, you're doing cardio. That increases, so you need less mitochondrial output in order to support that. Um, and number three, you're dropping a lot of body fat. And like, I'm starting to get decently lean. I'm not at a place where like the body's uncomfortable, but the body's like, fuck, you know, I've I've lost, um, what's, what's, what's that percentage? 20 pounds on 280. Um, dude, I don't fucking know what that is. Say you've lost 10, 15% of your body weight. So, your thyroid kind of wants to slow down that rate of progress, right? Um, so it's just going to slightly downregulate and see how you respond. It's going to be constantly doing this math equation. The homeostasis now is a little bit more stress, um, more output, less intake compared to where it was. So less body fat, more work, 
um, than where I was when I started this five weeks ago. Okay. Is that making sense? Yeah. Making pretty good sense. So that's essentially how your thyroid just, just responds to initial and acute weight loss. So let's move forward. I'm four weeks out. Four weeks out, I'm going to be peeled to the bone. Um, I'm, I'm going to look, I'm, I'm going to be very, very lean. When you're very lean, again, your thyroid down regulation. So the simple tasks you do day to day, you're going to burn less. Um, you're going to be much more fatigued and tired. And that's going to be because your body's running low on fuel. You dropped a lot of body fat. Um, so your body's essentially trying to put you fatigue is both a neurological and a physiological feeling. It's both those neurologically happens because your body wants you to stop doing so much. So, you know, fatigue is kind of an exacerbation of that. And then it wants you to respond by like just laying on the couch all day. So like, that's why you can't, that's why you like have to force yourself or like you get done with a set and you don't rack the weights well, it's, it's because you don't have the motivation to because you're too fatigued to. Mm-hmm. Little shit like that. I mean, dude, if you don't rack the weights once during your training session and you do that for the last four weeks of a contest prep, man, honestly, you, you miss out on a decent amount of output. Yeah. You know, that's... that's Also, depending that's on how much weight cow. that is, too. Yeah, depending yeah. on how much weight it is, especially for us. Like, yeah. fuck, dude, that's a lot of output that, mm-hmm. you know, probably got, um, you know, left in the tank. Well, you know, the, the walks the um, the daily movements, the daily routine that you have, the racking the weights. If you stop all of that, you're going to have to pull down food and add cardio or um, potentially add drugs as well to offset that drop in activity to continue to get you to drop body fat, get you leaner and ready for the show, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah. Your body got used to yeah. like doing these tasks and all yeah. these like things and all this stuff. Yeah, so, so... Your, 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 your thyroid is just constantly assessing and adjusting these to the metabolic adaptations um, here. I, I, I think I try, I try making that as like layman as possible. And obviously the opposite holds true to all these things as well. So now you're adding food, you're lowering output, your metabolism ramps up um, and you know, everything kind of falls into place with that. You put on more body fat, your glycogen stores are filled up, your intramuscular fat stores are filled up. Um, you know, your adipocytes are starting to um, uh, keep fat that you're, that you're intaking or converting in your body, all of those things. Okay. Uh, you, you start retaining a little bit of water. Um, like all this, those, these are all normal. Okay, Um, as long as we keep it at a good rate. So I want you to understand just kind of how thyroid works and metabolic adaptations first. The metabolic adaptations to a cardio break versus a diet break. When you just pull out cardio, and when I do this, it's just simply pulling out output. Your thyroid is going to respond by understanding stress on the body is now lower, okay, So it is going to be able to get more out of the same. It doesn't necessarily need to upregulate. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not upregulating unless there's a, unless there's a surplus of food taken in. It's staying exactly where it is, but your body is becoming efficient during this time as it's getting a break from the amount of cardio, from the amount of output you're doing. Your body is becoming efficient at the recovery, at the focus, maybe sleep, things of the like. I'm going to touch on the um, pros and cons here just in a little bit. So the metabolic adaptation of cardio break is not really up or down. It's stable, but it's the, home- it's the homeostatic adaptation that means something. Another thing to understand about thyroid, when you are, I kind of already explained this, but I didn't put it in these terms. If every single day you burn 500 calories doing cardio, your thyroid, that means your homeostatic environment is from your thyroid's perspective, I can assume to burn 500 calories today. So that means your thyroid response to that by pulling down, it's the amount of work that it does because it's going to work smarter, never harder. It's going to pull down the amount of work it does and downregulate to match that, right? So that's this is why it's important to break up your cardio routine, X, Y, Z here and there where it's needed and understand there's also hyper and hypo um, responders to things like output. So I might do cardio four times 25 for five weeks and my thyroid never completely responds to it. 
So I don't really have to change and I keep making a good rate of progress. But Brandon might do that for one week and we see a side response to it. So we have to constantly vary and play with it. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is why like having a coach with a you know good eye is pretty important to just understand the, you know, biofeedback that's happening here. Metabolic adaptation to a diet break is going to be your metabolism is going to elevate. It's going to upregulate. It's going to burn more. And it's also going to pull down stress at the same time. So if you could say one is inherently more important than the other, it would be diet break when you're really lean, but it would be a cardio break early on. Because early on, your metabol- your thyroid shouldn't be downregulated early on. You should be coming into a contest prep or into a cutting phase, well-rested, well-fed, you know, all of that stuff. How long normally is, oh, is a normal diet break? Yeah, so... Um, I would say my most common one. So I'm also really aggressive with things. Like I would say commonly I do a week for these. Um, but you know, it, it, it depends on the proximity to the show versus, um, or the proximity to the goldfish just a mini cut mm-hmm. versus where they're at now. Yeah. So like if someone needs a diet break and they're three weeks out, but they look 3.2 weeks out, man, we can't push very long. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be more aggressive with the numbers of that break. Like I might add 30% of calories to what I was going or what I would normally do for a week. I'm going to bump up another 30% calories and I'm going to do that for like three days. Okay. All right. Um, maybe and, and then after three days, you're going to assess the response as well. But you know, we're not going to, we're going to keep cardio stable in there. But like I said, that stress is going to stop a little bit. Your recovery should enhance a little bit. Your sleep should enhance a little bit. Um, all that stuff. Again, like I said, I'm going to talk about the pros um, here in just a little bit. I just kind of want you to understand how the metabolic adaptations work. So metabolic adaptation and cardio break, there's not really one, but your thyroid seems to be working more optimal due to lower stress. Cardio break to a uh, um, metabolic adaptation to a diet break, thyroid increases its activity. Um, and then we're able to ride that increase in activity out as long as you can, um, you know, when, when you do drop back down. Understand, your thyroid plans ahead, but it also responds rather quickly. So, like, when you wake up in the morning, your thyroid's like, oh, Justin's going to eat 500 protein and 700 carbs and... Um, What's my fat? Like 120 fat. Like that's what Justin's going to eat today. So like that's what I'm prepared for. Oh, and Justin's going to burn this uh, through his training and through movement and through cardio and all that stuff. So I'm prepared to handle this. All right. Like like I said, it's a, it's a constant evolving math equation, right? And that's why we constantly. That's why calorie cycling is really good. That's why implementing understand how to implement cardio breaks versus diet breaks really good. And it's so fucking important knowing when to push, when to pull. Okay. So that makes sense so yeah. far. Am mm-hmm. I doing a decent job? No, yeah. These really complex items that like I'm just trying to break down. Whenever no, we start talking sense. about thyroid, mm-hmm. it's just complex. Just understand. Uh, thyroid manipulation is the most uh, it's the second most important thing you can have uh, you can understand as a bodybuilding coach. Number one, just be overall stress mitigation. Um endocrine adaptations. So during a diet break, when you're in taking more food, well, what's your endocrine system respond to? It, it responds to an increase in food. Um, so this is all of your hormones, your your leptin, your ghrelin, your testosterone, estrogen, growth hormone, um, all these things, uh, cortisol. Um, your A diet break inherently helps all of these things improve. Okay, now, the improvements are going to be subtle, but subtle improvements when you're in an extreme dieting state are, you know, pretty significant and substantial as long as everything else is, um, you know, programmed alongside it. Um, endocrine adaptations to a cardio break. It's really, it's really just going to be cortisol based. I, I, I say that loosely because you can't, you can't say just cortisol based. Cause when cortisol changes, testosterone changes and estrogen changes and, um, you know, uh, Really, everything, progesterone changes, luteinizing hormone changes, growth hormone changes, insulin change, you know, all these things change. But it's the response, it's it's the duration and the severity of the response to the cortisol that it essentially, um, it, they're, they're, they're going to be minute. It's just the cardio. Testosterone is going to change a tiny bit. Estrogen is going to change a tiny bit. Growth hormone uh, well, I mean, the growth hormone, honestly, you know, could actually be a bigger variable there. 
all, all, all these things, they're, they're just going to change time. But the biggest item is the cortisol drops. So when cortisol drops, our bodies are able to be in a more parasympathetic state. We're able to recover better, rest better, digest better. And so like from that, it's essentially just getting a healthier physique overall or healthier body overall within the athlete. We're going to be able to push forward, and make more progress. Makes sense. So something to understand like we don't want to have to reverse these things during prep we want to work with these things so we don't want to be six weeks out from a show and um you know a natural athlete has their testosterone completely tanked and their estrogen dominant um like, like we don't we don't want to have that and um, you know, they, they wake up in the morning with insulin readings, like over a hundred consistently when they're rather lean, like we shouldn't, we, should, we don't want to have these things. Um, that's what, I mean, that's a telltale sign that you really need to pull back. Um, and honestly, you know, at that point, pulling back is probably just going to make them look better. Um, usually it does. Again, if these things are implemented at the right times, it's going to make you better. Um, I, I truly believe the only way to learn this is by trial and error. So you can take all the notes, you can do X, Y, Z, you know, all that stuff. You guys need to actually practice this. That's the coaches and the athletes who are listening to this podcast. You guys just need to be able to practice this, whether you're a bodybuilding athlete, whether you're a general health person, um, or, you know, whether you are in control of people's programming and protocols. Um, just like, like you need to actually try these things. You have someone who's been dieting for a while. They're pushing cardio. Dude, take cardio out for a week and just watch what happens. Just assess the biofeedback. Assess what happens to the resting heart rate, their heart rate variability, their blood glucose, how they're feeling, their pumps in the gym, their energy, how much they're sweating, um, all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, you're probably going to realize, you, you're going to realize over time and over practice what to look for, when to do this exactly. Because, like, I can sit here and tell you guys what to look for. But, again, like, until the fucking, like, until the battle's on, it's kind of impossible to tell because. Until it's, like, right in front of you. Yeah, yeah. like, it, there's no baseline measures of if this happens, this needs to happen. Like it's like an overall systemic thing. And I feel like through this, I'm kind of explaining to you guys like what to look out for. Mm -hmm. um, but like only you can really hone in on the fine details. So, so I'm not understand is throughout prep, my top priority is training. Like training should always, always, always improve near the end of prep. It should drop off. But like, so for example, this week, Megan is seven weeks. Seven and a half. Seven and a half weeks out, yeah. And she checked in, and, um, well, obviously I see her at the gym all the time too, but, like, training is getting very difficult. Seven and a half weeks a little too soon for me for training to, to be difficult. Um, she's lean. She's, you know, a little ahead of schedule. Um, she, 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 she looks really, really, really good. Um, so I decided to pull cardio out for this whole week. And what's the comment she made today? Um, she made some comment about like feeling really good or whatever. And then I saw her at the gym hitting shoulder presses and she was smacking them way better than last week. Mm -hmm. Like it was nice. It looked like a new person was mm -hmm. lifting. Right. Like she was just re-energized. Like the fatigue is down. The focus is up kind of all those things. Right. So like I, I prioritize training and progressive overloading, even in natural clients up until the very end. And a lot of it's mental. It truly is. Um, it's like, like today was actually the first day in the gym where I was like, dude, I'm tired. Like I'm really, really, I'm exhausted. And I still, you know, you have to just rise to the occasion and you got to beat the fucking log, but you just got to improve. Yeah. Like literally it's all it Ty is. I was just... feeling kind of in his head today too. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. He was like, like today was the first day where his, he wasn't PRing. Yeah. The first day since he started prep. Yeah. He, everything wasn't a PR. And I just told him the other day, or I just put on Instagram the other day. I was like, he's getting real close to a refeed or a cardio break. <laughs> he actually asked me that today. Yeah. Um, he's like. You think I'm gonna get a refeed soon? I'm like, I was like, honestly, dude, don't bet on it, yeah. don't bank on it. He, he'll get a cardio break before he gets a refeed. But you know, your your 22 week prep, you probably will. Yeah, yeah, yeah throughout it. And plus, he's already grainy. And he's, as fuck. He, he's lean. Yeah, we 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 got some fat to lose, but he he looks good. Mm -hmm. He looks really good. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I expect to see. When you go on a cardio break, more focus within training, more intent within training, better recovery from training, uh, more energy overall just throughout the day, um, higher motivation. Understand when I say motivation, oh, LOL, like we don't utilize motivation due to three weeks out sometimes. 
You gotta pull that motivation card. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta whatever you can. You gotta find that. You gotta dig it up. You gotta scrape it out the bottom of the bowl. If it's watching um, YouTube videos, yeah, listening to yeah, like Machiavelli motivation yep, and shit like that, a hundred percent. But mostly training focus. That's where I'm really gonna look for biofeedback in terms of a cardio break, um, because we are gonna have a better looking physique and a higher recovery rate. A higher recovery rate. The higher recovery rate because the cortisol is gonna be down. Like I explained, we're gonna have a better looking physique because we're able to, to literally like move more during training sessions. We're able to put all of our food into the training sessions, not spare any of it for output during cardio. It's gonna. It's gonna volumize your physique um, and, and you're going to look much better okay what I expect from a diet break it's different a diet break when someone comes back from that I want to see more fullness in the physique so I want to see a really nice pop to the muscularity of the physique of the musculature of the physique um I want to see better sleep. I want to see better with both. I want to see a, a better heart rate variability and resting heart rate um, as well. I want to see more energy. Um, you should look tighter in your physique as well. Not because we dropped uh, body fat per se, but because so we have a fuller physique. That means because through the diet break, we added more food. More food means we have more things to store. When things get stored, it pulls in electrolytes and it pulls in water. So things that are, you know, kind of floating around subcutaneously that kind of blur your physique a bit will have to be utilized to store the energy we're taking in during that diet break. And it's going to make you look tighter because of this. We're going to have better pumps in the gym because your muscles are going to be fuller. Your muscles are going to be fuller with or they're going to be better hydrated and they're going to have more electrolytes in them as well. Um, we're going to have more sweat during physical activity. And you know, remember, I've talked about sweat before and how it relates to thyroid. When your thyroid down regulates too far, you're probably not going to sweat much. So if you're someone who doesn't sweat much, I would definitely check out your thyroid numbers. Um, but so through the diet break, your thyroid's ramping up. You should notice an increase in sweating. So this is something that I want people, um, you know, you listeners, my athletes to keep an eye on. Um, and less food focus. I talk about the leptin and ghrelin response. Um, but, you know, at the end of prep, I mean, it's inherent. Um, like, I'm not close to being there yet. But, dude, like, you know, you're a few weeks out. You're fucking peeled. And, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice takes to get there. Dude, you start thinking about food. Right. Everyone does. It's hard. Everyone does. Like, dude, you want to go just, you know, pound some burgers or something and shit like that. And, like, you know, obviously, like, you fucking don't if you mm -hmm. want to win. Um, but you're, you're going to notice that food focus drops off quite a bit here, I think. Yeah, it's like, that's a psychological thing, too. It, it, it is like a huge psychological thing. Once you get out of thing. prep, you're like... You're not out slamming no, burgers. No. You're not thinking about the things you were thinking about. Yeah. Like for some reason during my prep, all I wanted was donuts. Yeah, you did. And That's much, right. And how much do I eat donuts? I think we've had donuts maybe twice since your prep. Exactly. I'm not a big donut and guy. And we haven't gone out of our way for them. No. It's, like, <laughs> it's a psychological yeah. thing. Like, I yeah. don't know why. Yeah, it 100% happens. is. But, but, you know, also knowing that it's like, you, we've talked about prep experience and how like every time you learn a little something more that makes the next prep more optimal, never easier, more optimal. That's like when they start hitting me, I'll be like, oh, that's just prep. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, it just is what it is. Like, I don't actually need that like, shit. I don't really actually like cheesecake factory. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? A hundred percent like that. That really is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, so from both of these, we should see a nice shift in the endocrine capabilities, just like I said, due to pulling that cortisol down, okay? And this is this is big. This is really, really big. When we can pull cortisol down, we are going to be more optimal. I mean, that's why prepping an enhanced client or prepping in an enhanced manner is more optimal to the prep itself than a natural manner. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you fucking do that. I'm not saying it's healthier overall. There's ways for it to be, um, but you're when you're enhanced, when, when you have super physiological levels of testosterone or even you're just taking your testosterone into your own hands like via HRT, um, we can kind of control cortisol a bit. It kind of puts a ceiling or a cap on cortisol and how high you know it can really go. Um, so a brief overview of implementation. Cardio breaks are essentially down to the bare basics and the bones. When training and recovery both decline, in someone who I know actually trains hard. So if there's someone who comes to me and they've you know built up a physique, um, but they don't train as hard as I want them to, then I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna first motivate them to push through. 
and I'm going to have them send me their logbook. Um, you know, I'm going to have them send me training. I'm going to have them do all that so I can really see the accountability and commonly in the people who, you know, don't train as hard as I think they could, you'll see improvements just because there's like, well, now I'm responding, you know, I'm reporting coach every single yeah. day. Mm -hmm. So it's like the accountability measure and people who I know are trained fucking hard in the gym. Um, yeah. The cardio break is going to be implemented when the training and the recovery both um, decline. The diet break is going to be programmed when fat. I also want to add if training and recovery are staying stable, but HRV is really high, um, then I'll, probably pull out cardio for like three or four days there to allow the, you know, the heart rate variability. I mean, that's a stress response. Heart rate's a stress response. Um, so allow this to kind of come back down. Um, diet breaks program with fat loss stalls or fatigue is rampant. So there's a time in prep when someone's truly in shape, when they feel really bad that I'm like, <laughs> do you truly feel like death or can you go further when you're actually in shape and you're actually a competitor who wants to win and you get asked that question, one of two things is going to happen. Number one, you're going to realize, okay, it could actually be worse. I could actually handle a little bit more. Or two, you're going to realize, dude, I'm, I'm there. This is, I feel like death. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's, you know, when, when fatigue is that rampant, um, you know, that's when we're going to diet break. Um, this year, that's just not conducive to anything. You know, something to understand is there's a time to push, um, but we need to keep everyone's longevity in mind. Like, you know, for this one show, do I really want to fuck up long term? No. Now, if that one shows the Olympia, we're going to have a conversation about yeah. it. And, you know, that's, I'm going to have a conversation about that with every Olympia level client I ever coach that truly has a chance to be top five. It, it, you know, if, if we're going to the Olympia to partake and participate, I'm, you know, we're not going to fuck you up for that. But if you truly have a shot at a W or top five, we're going to talk about a, are all cards on the hand right now? Do you think we can improve more beyond this? Do you think you can go as hard as you've gone the last year to achieve where you are at right now? Do you think you can do that again? Is this our one shot? Is this what we have? Is this, is this our end? That doesn't mean they're done competing after that. It just means they, they really might not be able to go to that level again. I mean, why do people retire from the fucking NBA NFL? It's because they can't fucking perform there anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the conversation you have with the athlete. And it's like, all right, we're going all in. And every card's on the table. And at that point, you hurt, you turn the health off. Um, you know, it's, it's not about longevity. It's about this right here is everything I've worked for and what I put my career into. Um, so, you know, that's just where coach client communication comes into play. If it's not the Olympia level, you should not be taking health off the end of, you know, someone, um, you shouldn't be taking well-being away from people unless, like I said, if, if it's the Olympia, it's different. It's like, if you go into the Super Bowl and you're, and you're still in concussion protocol, you don't care about you're being playing. in concussion. Yeah, you're playing that fucking game. Broken it's a hand, fucking wrist, Super Bowl. Ribs, yeah. ankle, you're playing. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're getting, if you can walk, you're getting in that game. Because you might not ever, ever get there again. again. Although I will say, I was really pissed when I saw Homeboy for Alabama go in that game in the national championship. But the national championship is different from that's, the Super Bowl. That's different from the NFL. Yeah, it's different from the NFL. That's I was the, pissed. Yeah. I saw Jalen Waddle go out there. Mm -hmm. He's the guy who, I think he's, he's going to be drafting like the top 15, yeah. top 20. No, he's the number one. He had a broken, what do you have? He had like a broken toe, ankle, something. Something with his leg. And he recovered enough to like run with a limp by the national championship. This happened like week two or three of the season. And this guy, I, I'm like, there's no fucking way this guy's going to play. Like he's about to make generational wealth for his family. And sure enough, I'm at the national championship game. Number 17 hobbles out there and I'm like, they're not going to make him run. And he runs a fucking crossing route. And they throw him the ball. And he catches the ball and just steps out of bounds. Hobbling the entire time. Ho Over on the Ohio State side, he stepped out of bounds. And he just, like, went down for a second on his knees and, like, hobbled back over and didn't go out of the game. He played the next snaps. And then he, he played one more drive. And I'm like... 
Was that fucking worth it? Like, that's, yeah. the, that's not worth it. In the national championship in college football, when you have... Now, if that's the last game of his life, then he's not going to the NFL. Yeah. But, like, honestly, if you're playing in the national championship game, you're probably going to the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> I was he, pretty he, pissed he about want, that. He just wanted, I think, you know, one drive or He whatnot. just wanted to be part of it. One, like, you know this was going to be his last snaps. But as, it's like, as, man, as fuck, dude. It's just, I, you know, I, I know me, I wouldn't have played. Because, I mean, you're staring... You're staring... Fuck! If you get to that second contract, and you're really good, well, even if you're, you're top staring in that that first contract, yeah, top ten, that's you're staring eighty million in the face. Mm-hmm. I, I the national championship ain't worth that. The Super Bowl is the national yeah. championship ain't fucking worth that. Yep. Um. So the ideology behind longer preps, you guys all know, I'm a fan of that. Is that we have time for all these things to happen as needed. We don't have to be forced to push through due to timeline constraints. Now, this doesn't mean that sometimes, you know, there's a time and a place for an expedited prep. Um, there's a time and a place where it's just, it's not worth it, you know, due to the longevity effect here. Um, another thing I like doing, that I'm not going to touch super long on here because there's no rule of thumb with it and we all kind of handle things differently. I like doing cyclical supplementation breaks where you pull out stressors like fat burners, stimulants, things of time for duration of time during the prep. And that, you know, that inherently lowers cortisol as well but then you see a greater result from the cardio um, um, and from the diet the way you're seeing before it's like let's say someone's taking um, you know a DMP a yohimbine and a clombuterol so DMP elevates cortisol just because it forces the liver to work really hard to lipolize the amount of energy that it's burning Right, like the liver is very important in fat burning. Liver is kind of running, um, not a, I wouldn't say an overdrive, especially compared to like anabolic usage. Um, but the liver is working really hard to essentially keep up with the demand um, of the energy disposal that DMP is forcing of it. Right, um, clenbuterol. You guys all know how I feel about clenbuterol. It's very, very, very stimulating. I it's it's okay used very sparingly. But, you know, used in long-term bouts, I do not like, could not like something. I could not dislike something more um, because it's going to be very stressful. It's going to pull away from sleep. It's going, you know, if it's real clenbuterol, it's going to heavily stress you out. And so now it's elevating cortisol from its MOA, but it's also elevating cortisol because you can't sleep. And it's elevating cortisol because your HRV and heart rate are are both elevated as well. So, or are both less optimal, I should say. Um, and then like, you know, him being, you know, it does have a slight simulatory effect, um, uh, a, a slight simulating effect on stress, not on your actual nervous system, but it can elevate stress. Okay. Like, I mean, that's one of its main side effects is anxiety. Um, and so, you know, I like to go through cyclical times where we like just drop it all and like, we're just running, um, on the diet, on the cardio, um, you know, kind of, which is, you know, how it should be. It's just with all these things, there's a time and a place in prep. Um, so for episode 138, I hope you guys enjoyed. I'll see you next time.